Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Father-Son Packers podcast, your brand new source for Packers news, notes, and analysis. My name is Tommy, and I am here, as always, with my co-host, my dad, Matt. Dad, how are you doing? Doing all right. It was a beautiful sunny day at work today and uh, made some nice uh, carnitas tacos and some uh, fresh guacamole. Yeah, and I mean... Still got got good avocados here. Yeah, and this time of year, you know, we are going to start getting at least a few cloudy days, so... (laughs) Got to cherish these sunny days while you ha- while we have them, and I'm sure hoping we get some rainy days this winter. Yeah, we could use the rain here in California. But anyways, we are coming here to you today on Thursday, the night of October 27th. Here, as always, Thursday night to give you our pregame for the Packers Sunday night matchup, Sunday night football primetime against the Buffalo Bills, the first in the AFC Buffalo Bills. We're going to break this all down for you. We will also be here on Sunday night breaking down the post game of Speaking hopefully of, a Packers win. Fingers crossed. We're not super hopeful. But Speaking of rainy days. Speaking of rainy days. We're not <laughs> metaphorical that, rainy days. Yes. We're not that optimistic, but we are hopeful, I guess is what we will say. But before we get into that, we just wanted to plug a couple of things. Please come give us a follow on Twitter at FatherSonPacker. It would be really good for our numbers, and we'd really appreciate it. And then come subscribe to us, Father Son Packers Podcast, on YouTube. That was Both of those things would really help out our numbers, and we would really appreciate it. Um, from the Twitter, we... Uh, tweet about when we have new episodes. We tweet out articles that we find interesting. Uh, we tweet new, uh, Packers news and our takes on that news if you miss anything. And just kind of keeping you up to date about what's going on in Packers world. And then the YouTube has all of our episodes as well. You can also find all of those episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon. Wherever you can find podcasts, you can find us. We do two shows a week, like we said, pre-games on Thursdays, post-games on Sundays, or Mondays if there's a Monday night game, or Thursdays if there's a Thursday night game. But Dad, are you ready to get down up into this into this matchup? Sure. Let's let's get rolling. So let's start as we usually as we always do with the injury report. Yeah, so we're gonna start with the injury report, just read it off. This is as of Thursday's practices, so nothing final in terms of who's gonna be uh questionable out, etc. But for the Packers, David Bakhtiari uh with his knee was limited on Wednesday and then did not practice on Thursday. He was riding on the bike. So it's after not playing last week on Sunday, it's kind of hard to know if this is just maintenance, if this is something where it's flared up on him again, like it did on the Saturday before the game. It's definitely going to be something to keep an eye on. If he does not play, expect Zach Tom to take his place like he did last week. I thought he did pretty well in that spot. Rashawn Gary, um, still dealing with concussion protocol, but he did move from uh, DNP on Wednesday to a limited participant today. So it seems like he's progressing through the protocol at a good rate and is hopefully on track to play this weekend. Shamar John Charles was a DNP on both days, and I do believe that I saw that he was in a boot in the locker room. So that's something where yeah, probably I not going to play. I missed when his injury happened in the game. I did as well, but sounds like he's Must not going to play. Must have been a special teams play. It is an ankle. Um, Elton Jenkins was limited on Thursday, was a DNP on Wednesday. So it seems like that's kind of the usual for him now while he's still recovering from that knee injury. Alan Lazard with his shoulder injury that he sustained in the game versus Washington was a DNP both days. And he pretty much said today, uh, when they were asking him questions after practice that he does not expect to play said he felt snap, quote, a snap, snap crackle pop. Exactly. And then the rice, somebody Krispie put some trio. rice krispies in his, somebody put his rice, well, Krispie, he, some rice krispies in his shoulder. He said the rice crispy trio show, uh, showed up shortly after, but he said he essentially does not expect to play. So don't expect him out there. Mercedes Lewis had his regular vet rest day. Aaron Rodgers was a DNP on Wednesday as he has been after every New York, uh, after every game, 
uh, since the New York Giants game. Every week he has missed Wednesdays, and he's back on Thursday, so that seems to be just the new schedule for him. Sammy Watkins was limited both days, hoping it's just maintenance and that there was no setback. Same as last week, so that should be all right, and he yeah. should be able to play. <laughs> and then Christian Watson, with his hamstring, was limited both days after not practicing at all last week. Um, Stenovich did say, though, that even if he did play with his hamstring injury, this is per Ryan Wood on Twitter, that they would probably limit him given the fact that he's had this flare up on him several times now. Um, so even if he does play, expect a limited snap count for Christian Watson. Dad, anything on the Packers side that you wanted to touch yeah, on? Yeah. So I'd say it seemed like last time they probably played Watson a little too soon after the first, um, injury to this hamstring and that it flared up again in that first game back. And for Bakhtiari, as I recall, he played a little, he practiced a little bit on Wednesday when LaFleur said he wasn't expecting him to. And then he did get in some practice on Wednesday. And then whether he's just taking the day off Thursday or had something happen on Wednesday, I'm not sure. But I think his, I think his schedule post need has been Bakhtiari practices Wednesdays before he started going every day. And Jenkins practice practices on Thursdays. Yeah, and or, then one yeah, thing so they, they flip who's they flip who takes the day off. And one thing just to touch on is um, Matt Lafleur was asked specifically after the game. I think it was on Monday actually, whether or not uh, the he thought the back to back weeks of three practices something that Lafleur had said previously he wasn't going to do at all this year. And then Bakhtiari had back to back weeks of practicing three times within the week and then had it flare up on him this past Saturday. Um, Lafleur was asked if he would examine whether or not he wanted to keep with that. And he said that Bakhtiari himself felt up to practicing those many, that many days. Um, but did say that both he Bakhtiari and the medical staff would have a joint conversation about the best way to go moving forward. So maybe this is part of that, that this is kind of what they've agreed upon now is like, Hey, three days a week practicing. Maybe that's just not tenable for him right now, and they're going to have right. to give him DNPs. I mean, he, he just has his vet rest days, essentially, like um, Mercedes Lewis. That he just, we just pencil that in as every week he's going to take one of the days off um, with his current knee situation. And sometimes you have to sort of protect players from themselves because they want to go out there and give it yeah. a try. And it's not always the best idea because players like to play. I used to do it when I played basketball. I'd go and, uh, you know, limp my way across campus with probably a stress fracture in one foot and a rolled ankle in the other and still try to give it a go. Yeah. wasn't the smartest thing in the world, but throw in some tape and, and uh, get out there. And especially with with how his, with how this year has gone for him, I think he's it's understandable he's in a hurry to get back. But anyway, moving on to the Bills side of the injury report. Green Bay zone, Jake Kumaro, wide receiver for the Buffalo Bills, was a limited participant um, both Wednesday and Thursday. Spencer Brown, uh, one of their tackles, was a DNP Wednesday and Thursday. He's missed uh, a lot of this year, I believe, so that's not really new for them, even though it is coming off a bye. Taiwan Jones, one of their running backs, he's like their fourth one on their depth strings. Um, sorry, on their depth chart, so that's not really that big a deal, but he was a DNP Wednesday and a limited participant Thursday. Mitch Morse, their center. This is probably one of the more intriguing ones to watch. Um, limited participation uh, both Wednesday and Thursday. It was marked, however, as elbow and vet rest. So it seems like something where they're more just giving him extra time. I would be surprised if he doesn't play. 
Other missing players that are not on the injury report, but something just to know. Micah Hyde, uh, their star safety and former Packer, is out for the year with a neck injury uh, that he sustained, I believe, back in week two or week three. Uh, And then Tredavious White, their star corner, will not play, as announced um, this week already. Um, He hasn't played yet this year, um, but there was some talk uh, during their bye that he might come back this week, but it turns out he is not going to. Dad, anything on the Bills front you want to touch on? Um. Not so much. We already knew about some of the players they weren't expecting. They don't have any like new losses, I think, from the last game. You know, we knew Hyde was out for the year. We didn't necessarily expect Tredavis White to be back already. Um, so those those are kind of the biggies. They had some players that were dinged up on defense earlier in the year, but they've I think come back by now. Um, I think uh, Ed Oliver was hurt for a little while, and maybe a couple of the other players. So yeah, nothing I mean, really big, and no white water Jesus anyway. Oh, well, maybe he's he, limited. No, he's, limited he's, two days. Yeah, he might play. He's missed, he's missed a few weeks. This would be his first. This would be his first game back after missing several weeks in a row. So maybe this is maybe this was his target date. How appropriate would it be if he just comes out and tortures us? Because that would be <laughs> hilarious to me. That would just be so. Like, he'll get he'll get three mwah, touchdowns and 180 yards against us. I and and, and Rogers will you know send the video to Brian Gutekunst. I wouldn't even be mad. I would just be like, yeah, that tracks. But anyway, do you want to... Because your thought is, well, somebody was going to do it. No, it's just like that's (laughs) about how this season goes. It's just kicking the nuts after kicking the nuts. But anyway, let's move on to our game preview. Starting quickly with our Blast from the Past. This is where we kind of track how these teams have matched up in the past. Not a whole lot of history here for the Packers and Bills, although they are uh, some of the older franchises in the league. Um, the Packers last played the Bills in Josh Allen's rookie year and won twenty-two to nothing in Green Bay. Uh, yeah, this you, was in McCarthy's. Some... This is McCarthy's last year, I believe. But the Packers, fun fact, have never won in Buffalo. Yep. Yeah, the thing is, they only play every four years. Now it used to be like every three years, and so there's only a game in Buffalo every eight years now. And before and it was sometimes... like a game in Buffalo every six years. And sometimes you get a few like cross conference games that are part of the special schedule, but the Bills had struggled a little, for a little while up until these past like three or four years. Oh, yeah. So the other thing about that twenty two, you know who scored the first touchdown in the game for the Packers? Wait, give me like, a second. Give me a second. How I, how little relevance this game has to now? I know that the they were really disappointed. I remember they were really disappointed in the performance of the team in this game. I think it was late. Oh, era. right. They said that offense was so bad in that game. Yes, That's and right. they just they. This yeah, was the Rogers game that Rodgers came game. out and said we need to target Devonte more, and the offense is bad. Um, right, I right. believe that this would have been. You know, I'm gonna guess it's like Richard Rodgers, Jimmy Graham. Oh goodness. Jimmy Graham had the first touchdown and Aaron Jones had the only other touchdown. <sighs> you know, so a lot has changed. A lot has that, changed. That year, Allen was a rookie and he was not good as a rookie. No, but he's, he's a very different. He's a very different player now. And he's very good now. And that kind of takes us into what's going on in Bill's world. Do you mind if I just rip these off the cuff? Dad? You want to you wanna run through all these? Yeah, sure. so what's going on in Bill's world? Well, they're kind of a buzzsaw. They're kind of beating up on everyone. They are 5-1, and one, which is for, good for first in the AFC. They've won three in a row. Their average margin of victory at home is 34.5 points over Pittsburgh and Tennessee. Their only loss was 21-19 to 19 at Miami, which is a divisional game. Those are always weird. Josh Allen is currently the MVP favorite. 
And on top of all of that, they're coming off a bye. So they get extra rest before they come in and try and beat, or we go over there and try and beat the crap out of them. And it's in Buffalo. So just about, it's a very tough matchup is pretty much what we're going with. The Bills are really good. <laughs> there are a uh, lot of really, really good. <laughs> general factors that were stacked against the Packers in this game, even if the Packers were having a good year. Yeah. And we all know they are not, unfortunately. <laughs> I. It's hard because it's just like, this is the, in my opinion, and many people's opinion, the Bills are the Super Bowl favorites right now. They are all, just to add on to what we were talking about, what's going on in Bills world, they are the favorites to win the Super Bowl. They're probably the best team in the NFL, even though the Eagles have the best record. It's It seems like it's them and the Chiefs and then everybody else this year. And... I mean, we're going to go more in depth into what makes the Bills a tough matchup and how good the Bills are. But even if the Packers were like stringing off a good series of games in a row, this would still be a probably the this is going to be the hardest game on their schedule easily yes, and would have been easily. even if they were good. And even if they, they would, weren't struggling, even if this they year. were having a good year, they would be underdogs in this game. But. Yeah. Bills on the road. And it's 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 tough because. You know, you'd like to think they would get up for this game, but uh, just checking the spread really quick, the Bills It are, opened at 10.5. What is it now? It opened at 10.5, and, and I think it's up to 11 now. Oh, so okay, because at one point I heard somebody on the radio somewhere say it was 9.5, but I don't know if they're using the same source. Yeah, just based but. on ESPN right now, just a quick check. It is currently the Bills are favored by 11. This would, like we said on the post game on Sunday, be the first time that I believe Aaron Rodgers was a double-digit underdog in his career. So Yes, I've heard that from multiple, seen that multiple sources this yeah. week. One for the history books, we'll say. But maybe, you know, you never know. But anyway, Dad, do you want to go into our uh, analysis for this game? Sure. Um, shall I go first? Yeah, what makes so like we start every week, we like to start with the opponent. Dad, what makes the Bills a tough matchup? So this is a long list, but or it could be a very long list. So I'm gonna start with just sort of some of the uh the traditional statistics. They're 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 first in the league in yards per game on offense, and first in the league in yards per game given up by the defense. Um, so just keep passing, piling them off. It's a lot of impressive stats. <laughs> their passing is much better than their running. They're first in passing offense, but only kind of middle of the pack on run offense for yardage. They're first in passing DVOA per um, football outsiders, but only 28th in rushing DVOA. So this is a little different than some of the other teams that have taken advantage of the Packers and where they have their worst weaknesses is teams that really run the ball strongly. Their pass, their their line is actually not that great. Their offensive line, their team pass block win rate by ESPN is only fifteenth, and their run block win rate is only twenty sixth, which matches kind of well with their individual PFF ratings um, for the O line. For they're all kind of middle of the pack um, at, at all positions. On defense, however, they're first in rushing defense DVOA by Football Outsiders, and fourth in pass defense by DVOA. Their pat, though their pass rush win rate is only 18th and the run stop win rate is 8th by ESPN. Yeah, and so that's where the sort of the general big picture problems that the Bills are going to present um, by their the, the, the units, the offensive unit and the defensive unit as a yeah. whole. 
and just to add something, the the defense, you know, very strong this year, anchored in large part by the coaching of Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier, who have been there for quite a while now, I think going on four or five years. Um, but that that defensive unit has had the same coaching staff for several years now. The offense, um, while it might be the passing is going excellently, the rushing is not going as strong. And something to highlight is they do have a new offensive coordinator this year in Ken Dorsey after Brian Dable. Right, because we already lost to their last year's offensive coordinator this year. Yes, Brian Dable is now the head coach of the New York Giants. So that has definitely been a very fast adjustment for them. It has not really mattered all that much. They are still beating the heck out of teams. And I will say for the um, rushing uh, offense, it is fair to say, though, that they are in negative rush scripts almost all the time. Well, I think they just... They just like to. They well. They just they just like to pass. Well, I'm just and, saying that they're rushing. They're rushing offense. I would you, imagine that they. Well, when they are running the ball, the other team is expecting the run. Is all I'm at saying. Yeah, they're yeah. they're in a lot of blowouts. Is what we're saying. But usually, teams run a lot in those situations. But eh, they're happy. To, they're happy to pass. Or the run game is based on Josh Allen's running ability rather than the running backs, which I was I'm going to touch on a little bit here for the next thing I have to say for what makes them a tough matchup. Yeah, and I think we we could have even led with this because I think this is the biggest thing is Josh Allen is an absolute yeah. freak of nature. <laughs> when I first started reading this, I was starting with like sort of a big picture of the whole team. And then, you know, and Josh Allen, he's the number one running quarterback by PFF, the best running quarterback in the league. And he's the number three passing quarterback by, by PFF. He's only been sacked nine times and only had 34 pressures. Now that's in, you know, uh, six games compared to seven for the, um, Packers, but Rodgers been sacked 15 times and been pressured 59 times. That's from fantasy. Those numbers are from fantasy pros. Yeah, and just and to so accent- I think part of it, just to accentuate how well Josh Allen has been playing, um, they asked Joe Barry about it today, the Packers defensive coordinator and his presser, and according to this is according to Tom Silverstein on Twitter. Joe Barry pretty much said, if you rush four or more, you have to be very disciplined because not only can he make you pay with his legs, like you said, he's the top-graded rushing quarterback in the NFL, um, but he can really throw on the run very, very well. He has a cannon, a laser beam attached to his right shoulder, and he can throw from pretty much any platform. In fact, from 2020 to 2021, PFF had him graded as better outside the pocket than his overall grade was, 94 versus 92. I mean, even when you do get pressure on him, and even when he's running, it's really tempting to come up because you it's hard to meet him because he's such a big man. I mean, Joe Barry described him as a more athletic, better Ben Roethlisberger, essentially, was his wording. It was like a, a Ben Roethlisberger that was faster and had a better arm, is what he said. And so he's big as hell. Um, so you, you're tempted to come up because it takes two or three people to tackle him. But then when you come up, he's just throwing darts over your head on the run. And so it really puts defenses in a bind because he's just playing out of his mind right now. Yeah, I think part of you know his abil- his um, scrambling, running, and ability, ability to throw in the move, kind of cancels out the sort of middle. The, the offensive line is only sort of middle of the road. He's actually been so good, he just um, kind of eliminates you know the deficiencies. Any, the yeah. deficiencies there. Yeah, and I mean, Josh Allen's just. There's not much to say. He's on such a tear right now and has been the past two years. I mean, his 
he arrived last year, I think, to me, and he's the favorite for the MVP yep. for the reason. Some other things that I feel like make the Bills a tough matchup are, I think, directly tied to Josh Allen, but I just wanted to get into a few more specifics as yeah, we're kind of get getting more granular. Um, their big playability, I think, is what makes them the most dangerous team in the league. Um, they're second in the league in 20-plus yard pass plays per game per ESP, uh, per NFL.com. Sorry, They're tied for first in 40-plus yard pass plays per game. Um, they're really just killing people. I mean, first, like third play of the game in their last game versus the Steelers, they threw a 98-yard touchdown pass from the two-yard line. I mean, can you name another? Can you name another team that's doing that? Like that's that's absurd. Um, so that big playability, and also just for uh, to add something more, they're tied for seventh in the league in 20-plus yard carries per game. So their the rushing attack is not that bad. Um, yeah, though I think those. That rushing attack, that's not bad. I think it's mostly Josh Allen. It's probably true. And not There's a lot of it backs. is Josh Allen. That's what's, um, making their, that's what's making their running attack look good. Well, I'm sure the Packers can can be like, <laughs> oh, it's just because Josh Allen's running all over us. That's why right. we're so, giving up 200 our, rushing yards. It's not that our run defense is bad. It's just I'm the quarterback sure, is too good for us. I'm sure that'll really help them when they're getting flattened out there. Um, and then the other thing that makes them really tough is their receivers. Stephon Diggs specifically is going nuclear this year. Um, according to PFF, 62 targets and one drop. Uh, before their bye last week, according to PFF, he had the most catches of 15-plus yards in the league. He's just on another level right now. And Gabe Davis, their number two, is also playing really well. Um, according to Ian Harditz of PFF, um, Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis are the third-highest-ranked duo in yards per route run in the league. Um, just kind of reestablishing their passing attack is so lethal and that's that's modern they are what every modern offense them and the chiefs what every offense wants to be this big explosive passing plays big mobile quarterback just slinging it downfield getting tons of chunk yardage and just no down in distance is like not able to be overcome like if you if the packers get him at third and 18 i give him a 50 50 chance to stop <laughs> Like that's that's kind of how I'm right. feeling right now. The they are to score in like 40 seconds. They're a juggernaut. Like this team is very can stacked. Just, like can it's I just very say something about. Can I express some envy over a ratio of 62 targets to only one drop? Can I just say oh, how man how nice that sounds right now? Oh my goodness! That, the Packers dream dream of a receiver like this. If only they had one. But anyway, Devontae wouldn't, Devontae wouldn't help this team right now. Nothing could nothing could save them from this team they're about to play this weekend, at least. I mean, maybe it'll make it a little more pretty. But those are kind of the things that make the Bills a tough matchup. I mean, they're just a really damn good team. And they, they, they the statistics back it up. The PFF grades, if you want to reference those, back it up. The DVOA backs it up. I mean, the record backs it up. The betting odds back it up. They're just really freaking good. Dad, do you want to maybe go into how specifically they match up with the Packers and how they might try to exploit some of what the Packers deficiencies are? Sure. Cause some of what I um, wrote in here ties back to what you said there, you know, what makes them a tough matchup. So I think the bills are likely to take shots downfield because yeah. they do. Josh Allen is number one in the league right now in air yards per attempt per fantasy pros. So he's on average throwing the ball further downfield than anybody else in the league. And then Stefan Digg, Diggs is the number one wide receiver by PFF overall. Now, um, Gabriel Davis and uh, Isaiah McKenzie are, are kind of middle of, the, middle of the pack. You know, 
Uh, sixty. They're sixtieth and sixty-five. Yeah, uh, I will add game. though that two of those games Great. with Gabe Davis, he was limited with an ankle injury and was kind of. Yes, you could he, tell he, he was hobbling around out there. He, right. He had a game he missed and two games where he played injured. Had like one or two um, catches or something. But and so to go on for that, but what we really might expect if Gabe Davis is back to health is like he is their deep threat. He only has 14 catches on the year, but he leads the team in average depth of target of 16 and a half um, yards downfield on the depth of target. Um, Stefan Diggs, for example, is about 10. And I can't mm-hmm. remember um, who's leading the Packers. I know that for like air yards um, per per pass, you know, Rodgers is like 3.4 or something. And, it's, and uh, yeah. Allen's number one is like 5.5 or, or maybe a little bit higher. But um, so Davis is averaging 27.4 yards per catch. Yeah. And he's converted several long TD passes, one of which you mentioned, a 98-yarder versus Pittsburgh. He also had a 65-yard touchdown in that same game. He's had a 26-yard touchdown against L.A. and a 35-4-yard touchdown for Kansas City. And those are all his touchdowns. He's got four of the year. And his shortest one is 26 yards. Yeah. Do I the mean, Packers he's... even have a 26-yard touchdown this year? The Packers, the Packers don't. This is the type of skill set that the Packers don't have currently. Is a guy who can really stretch the field, and just to kind of piggyback off of what you were saying with that, with Gabe Davis being able to create these long plays and really, really stretch the field over the top. I think that the 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 Bills are really going to test the Packers' safeties in this game, and that was one yeah. of the specifics that I had for how I think that they're going to try and exploit the Packers, specifically Darnell Savage. I mean. To be honest, Savage has not had a great year so far after they picked up his fifth-year option. According to PFF, he has, for them, the worst coverage grade that he's had over his career. So you can say, hey, PFF grades aren't necessarily always totally accurate, but they do tend to be consistent within the same player. And for them, he is having his worst year of his career in coverage. Um, He has allowed eight receptions on 14 targets into his coverage at 16 yards per catch with just one pass breakup. So... Really not great, allowing a lot of yards per catch. And honestly, Adrian Amos has had a bit of a down year as well, although I will say his coverage grade is severely stunted by the Minnesota Vikings game week one. But he also has one of the lowest coverage grades of his uh, career. Um, He's still allowed 11 catches on 14 targets so far for PFF and no pass breakups, although it is only seven yards per catch, so he's at least keeping everything in front of him. But just kind of tying into what you were saying, I think they're really going to try and test Savage and see if they can get him to bite on some crossers to digs and just kill us, with, kill us with a double move or kill us with uh, Davis running right behind him because I think that's the weak spot in the Packers secondary is Savage right now, or Stokes maybe, but... I think that's going to be something that they're going to specifically look to target in this game. You know, I do feel like Amos played better this most recent game. And Savage, too, I think, compared to how he'd been playing over the year. I think some of the things on defense are starting to come together a little bit. It's not all it's not all fixed yet. But I felt like um, Amos and Savage played better than they had been in this most recent game. Savage had, you know, he had a lot of room for improvement. Um, but I thought Amos actually was doing a better job, better tackling, and um, um, more on the ball, um, plays plays on the ball this game than he had been doing. Yeah. What else do you think – how else do you think that they're going to try and attack the Packers? Sure. So, you know, I have another – I have uh, um, how the defense is going to attack 
the the Packers offense here and take, well, how to try to exploit them. So the strength of the Bills defense looks to be like their edge rushers. And their PFF grades are fourth in the league for Von Miller, sixth in the league for Boogie Basham, and 12th in the league for Rousseau. Rousseau. What's his first name? George, Gregory. Gerald? Gregory. It's yes. a G. I knew it was a it G. It is a G. <laughs> um, and so... And tell me why we're, and, and, we're and, on the same wavelength because <laughs> I had Von Miller attacking Zach Tom if he starts or Yash Nyman if he doesn't because he's either going to go after the brand new left tackle or the guy who's never played on the right all but one time in the NFL. So those edge rushers on our tackles, if Bakhtiari doesn't play, that's going to be tough. That's a, yep. really, that's a really big matchup in favor of the Bills. There are a lot of matchups in favor of the Bills, to be fair. But that's one where there is a stark difference in experience level, uh, just production put up on the field this year. I think that's yeah. something they're going to look to. They're going to be licking their chops a little bit going into this game, I think. And they've been productive. You know, I think I mean, in converting. Buffalo is third in the league in sacks per game. Yep. And so I expect what, what they're going to do is just going to rush with their standard front and not do a lot of blitzing, having watched what Green Bay's last couple opponents have yeah. done to them. And I mean, Von Miller, he was an addition for them in the offseason. He helped the Rams win a Super Bowl last year. I didn't think he looked that great in the regular season last year for the Rams or the Broncos, but he really turned it up in the playoffs. And I was so wrong because he's got way more left in the tank than I thought he did. I thought that contract was going to be a well bit year. of an albatross. Yeah. But, man, he is he has turned back the, the hands of time and cemented well, not even cemented. He has reminded us all that he is a first ballot Hall of Famer when it'll all be said and done. I mean, man, he's he's going to come out there and I think really test the tackles early. Do you have anything more you got for uh, matchup problems the Packers might face, or should we kind of go into something a little more hopeful and talk about how Let's maybe go the Packers can do something? See what, and I'm bringing up stuff. I don't know how likely some of this stuff is. This is what. Packers could optimistically try to do and maybe it'll maybe you'll find an advantage here yeah and so, so for finding an advantage I'm not gonna lie to you dad I my cursor <laughs> my cursor was blinking for about three minutes while I stared at this section and then I went to the next one and wrote that one out and then came back to this one and then I went to my score prediction and wrote that one out then I went back and then I went back to the injury report and added a little more information there this was the last thing I wrote because I simply could not think of a whole lot do you want to do you want to so, lead us off I'm putting some stuff in there. So what I'm talking about is not necessarily things that I, I think will happen. What I'm, thinking, what I'm looking at here are where are the weaknesses on this Bills team? So they're, as I mentioned before, their running game is kind of pedestrian for the running backs anyway. And so can the Packers try to take that away and force them to be one-dimensional? Of course, one-dimensional might be Josh, I was say, just, bold it's just strategy, Josh Allen. Bold strategy forcing the Bills to pass. I don't know if anyone's thought about that one before. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, Singletary, Singletary is only kind of middle of the road, actually sort of bottom for a, a running back one in terms of grades by either PFF or DVOA and Football Outsiders. I, uh, I do think for, there for is... Reference, for yeah. reference, his we, we felt like A.J. Dillon is having a bad year. He's grading out about the same as A.J. Dillon. Yeah, and I think I think it is... There is something to be said for making an offense one-dimensional. It's really hard when, even when you do make them one-dimensional, <laughs> their one dimension is, like, 
a flamethrower. Like that's <laughs> it's so this team is very hard to going to be very hard. So to here you, know, you hear this all the time about Josh. I was like, so uh, say. Let's make the Bills one-dimensional. Josh Allen says, hold my beer. Yeah, Josh Allen <laughs> is two dimensions all by himself. I mean, he's just so dynamic. It's really tough to beat them. Um, I guess what I have is slow the game down as much as you can. Don't let them start with the ball. For the love of God, <laughs> please start with the ball this game. Because if they get the ball first, you're going to be trailing the whole game. Uh, you got to yeah. get the lead. I, you got to score on the. You got to get the ball first. Score on the first possession. Hold the lead. Hold on for dear life to the lead, and just keep your keep your foot on the gas. Strengthen because, those fingernails and keep your foot on the gas because no lead no, is going to be safe. All gas, no effing breaks. Yeah, and I mean this has to be that game. They got to play just with nothing you know, to lose. They got nothing to lose this game. Right, just, pull just out put it all, all the out there, pull out all the stops, go for everything. I think, you know, you can talk about whether they try to, like, run the ball more, um, though the, the the Bills have a good run defense. I was going to say, I, I would gonna... like to see them run the ball more, but the Bills have, like, the best run defense in the league. So it's so one thing I think they can maybe look for is, is so the, the, the Buffalo – Secondary is is not very good this year. It's a little beat up, but they've been performing. They're missing a couple of their top players. Right. Well, the the secondary, their their cornerbacks are, are not graded well. Their best cornerback is only forty seventh in the league by PFF. Yeah, I mean, but PFF the defense is, only, is good PFF against is the only pass. One metric. Their their defense, but the, as a whole but the is defense good overall the is good against the pass. Yeah, but they are they're not as good in defending against number one wide receivers. They're much better against number two wide receivers, number three wide receivers. I'm failing I'm failing to see and, how this helps us. And if only we had a well if only we had a wide receiver one. If only we had and a wide I, receiver two. Yeah. <laughs> and they're also not so good at defending the pass pass catching running backs. Yeah. They're more middle of the road, like fifteenth. So Although I, think, I will say Matt Milano is having a career year. He if is you've having watched a great much year. of the he Bills, is like one of the best Best graded linebackers um, in the league this year. I, w- I would not be surprised to see him on Jones a lot. He, when you watch the Bills play, he pops off the screen more than he has, ever has when I've watched the Bills before. Like he's looking really good out there. And maybe, and maybe he's the reason behind their doing very well as a team in covering tight ends against the pass. Yeah, because he's having such good years. That's something they're good at is uh, defending tight end as tight ends as pass catchers. Yeah, and I mean. I think for the Packers to win this so, game, which for I, I just, me, straws grasped, and now let's move on. Well, I just want to. I just want to say one last thing in this section is, for me, if the Packers were going are going to win this game, if they are going to win this game, they probably have to win the turnover battle by multiple turnovers. They have to find a way to run the run the ball. Specifically, they need Dylan to have a bounce back game, and they need Jones to essentially play how he has been playing, except better than he did against Washington. It's a tall task. They need to not turn the ball over themselves, and they need to get a little lucky and hope the Bills are kind of rusty coming off their bye. Those are kind of like all the checkboxes yeah. I think they need to hit for them to beat the Bills in right. Buffalo. And that, that kind of leads into what do we want to see? Yeah, because I think, um, I think we, both, this, we both talked about it, this. Let me just – we both talked about this. Neither of us are particularly expecting a win from the Packers. I think to me a win would be covering the spread. If the Packers cover that 11 points – I will consider it 
okay? And I think the main thing that we want to get out of this game is, at least for me, the Packers to have some sort of direction coming out of this game, to feel like they have a purpose, that they have... And I, they have a not plan. even necessarily... They, they, yes, a plan. They, that they have a plan and they can actually, you know, execute the plan as opposed to, like, shooting the plan in the foot. Yeah, that, I mean... That they'll actually... Even if they're, you know, outmatched in the end, do they look competent in trying to in doing what they're trying to do? And I think the biggest thing for me would also be, let's just stop getting dumb penalties. Let's let's at least do the simple things, the things that the Packers can control. Execute the assignments you have. Like Rogers got a bunch of crap this week for essentially saying players who are messing up should essentially lose reps and the reason he got crap is because he's not playing particularly well either which is true but there was but at the core of what he was wait just but at the core of what he was saying he's correct there need to be less mental errors on the offense whether or not it was tone deaf of him to say that when he's not playing well is one thing but he's not wrong that the individuals on the roster on offense need to play better him included it is not a hot take to say People need to perform well at their jobs if they want to keep their jobs. Yes, it was. It, there were. It did launch. I don't know how many hundreds of tweets saying, "Oh, Rogers is saying love should start." <laughs> I mean, it's not the best messenger, but the message is not incorrect, is right. what I will say. Um, so, but, so that's but, the big thing we want to see from the Packers this week is just play like a competent football team, play like a well-coached football team, play like a team that won 13 games each of the last three years. There's a lot of people returning from those teams. Play with some pride. You've lost three in a row. Yep. So I want, so I could go, I have a few specific things on what I want to see. Is this just sort of the big picture of like make the game respectable, which is kind of yeah. what we're talking about what they need to do. Make the game respectable. Play like what a football I want, team. What I want to see is mistake-free or nearly mistake-free game. And that's the thing I most want to see. So the last last week, I felt like the defensive communication that was just abysmal at the beginning of the year has improved. It's looking a little better. See, but, there's, but it's not perfect. They still had the touchdown they gave up to Gibson last week where Stokes goes to the outside the same direction as Amos and leaves Gibson wide open. I, yeah, um, I, I think it's worse than not perfect. I think you're being a little a little kind to them. <laughs> but it's improved. I didn't say. I, I just said it's moving in the right direction because it was a dumpster fire at the beginning of the year. I think the, it was worse. The I think flames. Was, the, I think it was better in the Jets game. I think the defensive communication was better in the Jets game. Uh, yeah, that's possible. I, 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 I guess you know when you're trending up, it is not a smooth climb. This is true. And I think uh, what I what I have for the defense, just to add to that, is for the Packers. I think it would be. A win to me if the defense was steady. So essentially, I know they're not going to be as good in the first half as they have been in the first half of these other games. But as long as they don't collapse in the second half, like if they let up like 14 points in the second half and 14 points in the first half, I'm okay with that. But if they let up 14 points in the first half and then 35 in the second half, like that's something where it's like, I would like to see them... I mean, they've collapsed in the second half. We've talked about this. Three straight games for the defense coming out of the half. I would like to just see them come out of the half and look like they talked about something at halftime and not even necessarily made adjustments, just that they kept the focus that they have in the first half into the second half. 
Yeah, I like to see that those the like that first three drive defense. Yes, um, play the whole game. Now for the, you know, in terms of mistake free, um, you know, reducing the number of mistakes, and I feel like the offensive line communication needs to keep getting better. It was a the offensive line as a whole was much better this last game than before, though the the scheme helped them out a bit. Yeah, where they're doing very quick short passes. I think it was. Rogers, um, quickest time to release, and they of the were given year. they were given Tom lots of chip help with the tight end, which you would assume they would do the same thing if Tom plays again this week. Going to be a lot of chip help. Yep. And so here the, the biggest questions after the offensive line is: Will Bakhtiari play? Yep. And will Jenkins settle in better at left guard? He had kind of he had the lowest grade of the entire offensive line, I think, in the last game. Oh, even they, at left the guard. Other, I believe so. The other four Dang. players graded very well um, by PFF, but his his was the lowest of the five. Yeah, I mean, I think it is. He's still coming off the injury. I know it's been right. a few weeks now, but it, it, it has was his been first a bit game of a at that at that spot. So we'll, that's true. You know, and it's only been eleven months since yeah. he blew out his knee. So yeah. it is a very reasonable expectation that he's going to just keep getting better as the year goes on. Knock on wood. And I think that the big the big thing, like you said, is the cutting down on the dumb penalties, like illegal procedure penalties. Those can't happen, like yeah, that, or, or like failing illegal to line shift, up properly. Yeah, illegal, illegal shift, shift um, false illegal start, formation, false illegal start. formation, and the illegal formation that's got to drive coach crazy. Like, don't you know where you're supposed to stand? Exactly. Like that's that's all it is. And I think some other things for the Packers I'd like to see. I mean, obviously, I'd like to see the rookies play well. I'd like to see Amari Rogers play some more receiver. Um, Ty Windish of Talk of the Tundra podcast um, is on this as well. But that Amari Rogers might not be the best returner, but he's been playing some pretty good receiver for them. And he's got a little more juice than a lot of the other guys they're trotting out there. I mean, he at least gave them a shot play down the field. He didn't catch it, but he was at least open down the field, down the sideline. And can't say that about many other receivers, so... I would like to yep. see some some more Amari in the slot. I would like to see a, a Dobbs Watson Amari. I would like to see more Deguara. I am big time con- conductor of team of train of the Deguara train. I think he's looked really good this year, and for some reason, just doesn't get any snaps. He's getting very few snaps, and they haven't tried. I don't have they done him much in short yardage. No, not, but they, but they're not, not even not very much. They've only played him really at fullback they, or like H back. Yeah. They have not played. Well, that's him what I'm thinking the, more as a lead blocker on well, short yardage. I would like to see him in the slot a little bit. I yeah. think he's I yeah. think he's got good enough movement skills where you could split him out into the slot, and he could at least give you a different look. And I would just like to see them try some. Just pull out all the stops this game. You got nothing to lose. Like you're not supposed to win this game. I guess is what I'm saying. And the biggest thing is just don't get totally blown out in this game. Um, just, you know, be competitive. Be competitive in this game. Yeah. So, right. Big picture. I had a few, I still have some more small things I'm looking for in terms of, can the, can the offense as a, as a unit start to reduce their errors? Yeah. So I looked at last week's game. So they had two draw two two drives that ended in touchdowns, mm-hmm. two drives that basically timed out. You know, they had one play before the half, and they had what two plays and, and the uh, lateral a play lateral at the, end. Yeah. at the end of the game. So there were six other drives that failed essentially, not because they did they were too short on time. Let me see if I can Three think of, of them. One of them was the negative six yard Aaron Jones run. 
Yep. And that one. So here's what happened in those drives. And I, I don't want to go on. I could go on individually, but yeah, three of them ended on a dropped pass, either on third down or fourth down. So that was half of them ended on the sort of drive defining play. That yep. would have been a first down if they were just caught. Lazard and dropped, then, Dobbs drop, and I can't remember the third one. There was a Dobbs drop on third. There was a Dobbs drop on fourth. Ah, that was sort no, of broken up. Two drops. And yes. then there was and there was a Lazard drop on the first drive on third. Then there there were four other drives. Sorry, sorry, three other drives. All three of those had a holding penalty. Sick. That put, that put them on first and twenty. So they had three drives killed by a drop on the deciding down, and the other three drives were torpedoed in terms of distance and play design by a holding penalty. And one of those had a drop and a holding penalty just to double up. Yeah, just to just to shoot yourself in both feet because so one wasn't basically, quite Basically, every drive that failed had a blunder in yeah. it that torpedoed the drive. So it's just a mis- And this and goes so- back to what Rodgers was saying. People are yeah. making mental errors and mistakes, and that's kind of setting back the offense. And he's definitely part of those mental errors and mistakes. Oh. But at the core of the message, people are making mistakes, and the offense will not work if people keep making these mistakes. Yeah, and, and so some of those drops, like, the pass isn't right perfect. You know, I think the one uh, that Dobbs drops on third, he's open I think just I know which one chain. you were talking about. It was really and low, right? Like, it really low? It was very low. low. Yeah. He's... You know, he still should have caught it, but if it's at the numbers, he's going to catch it. I would, yeah, I would not have called it a drop. I thought that thing almost hit the ground on his way to him. <laughs> but I think it was, well, it depends on who scored it, but uh, it does. And then there are other, and he had a lot of balls that was not, they weren't quite on target. And if it was a perfect pass, they're, you know, they're probably more likely to be caught. Yeah. And I mean, even the Dobbs drop on fourth down, just to touch on something we talked about on the Sunday pod, I just wanted to talk about this because we got something wrong. We said that part of the fourth down problem on that out to Dobbs that was uh, broken up slash dropped was that Sammy Watkins did the wrong thing. We uh, we thought that he was supposed to block on that play and it was supposed to be a quick like scre- uh, screen essentially to Dobbs. But it turns out that that was not what was supposed to happen. Uh, Sammy Watkins did the right thing and ran upfield, essentially just ran like just to go. And he was wide open. So if Rodgers had just waited a second and read the defense a little yeah. more accurately... Would have had a walk-in touchdown. Um, so I think yeah, that that I, one does end up being on Rodgers at least a decent amount. A little, except that's also... If you think about the coaching game plan to hold up the offensive line, everything was designed to get the ball out immediately, immediately, it's immediately, true. immediately. So to design that play where you've got this you know late-developing open player running downfield... Was maybe not the best call. I mean, the, it wasn't. You could so, say that it wasn't he, so late developing, though. Like he, no, no, he could have, he could have, he could have thrown. He could have. I've seen Rogers throw it. a ball deeper than that with like at, at, at the snap, he, like he, catch he the ball and just he could have thrown thing. it. Yeah, but but you could also say that the mistake in that play was not just running it up the middle and getting the first down. Yeah, they are doing a <laughs> lot of weird things on third and fourth and short where they're just not running it. And They're I'm driving like, me a little crazy. He's like, stop being, stop showing everybody how clever you are and take the easy first down. It's a bit of a damned if you do, damned if you don't, because if you don't yes. get it and you run it, they're like, you're not giving the ball to the back-to-back MVP <laughs> on third and one. You don't think he can go get you a first down. And then when you don't run it and you pass, you're like, what are you doing? You don't think your 250-pound running back, your Pro Bowl running back can get a first down on third and one, fourth and one? <laughs> it's a bit of like, 
hey, if it doesn't work, you're gonna get like you're gonna get criticized either way. But I do still think you should at least be doing fifty fifty. It seems like these third and fourth and ones, they're just throwing it almost every time now. Yeah, they're not right. They've, they've and it gotten could be it could be the unbalanced. pre-snap looks they're getting. It could just be the the teams are putting eight nine in the box and they're like and then drop it. Or, or, then, just, or dropping just into eight, coverage, or they're just eight nine in the box, and they're not dropping into coverage, and they're just like, we don't think you can. You have the guys to beat a one on one. We're leaving one guy on your receiver, and we don't think you can beat him. But even with eight or nine in the box, I think Andy Herman of Packaday Podcast has said this. Nick Chubb runs into an eight man box all the time. Saquon Barkley runs into an eight man box all the time. They get a yard. You can get a you can get a yard on an eight man box. This is not like if it's there's only an a eight, yard. If there's, right, if there's a, an eight-man box, it's, sneak. Exactly. If there's an eight-man box, it's not like, oh, you can't run it. It's illegal now. You can still get a yard on right. an eight-man box. To, you're not trying to get four or five yards. You're only trying to get one. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It seems like they're only playing the numbers game. And it's just like, if there's eight, don't run. If there's less than eight, run. And so it's a bit predictable in that sense. Right. You're getting too predictable. Yeah. And so that's another thing for the Packers that I'd like to see is be a little less predictable. Yep. Lean on the run. Maybe be a little more predictable if that means running it on fourth and one. <laughs> um, but anyway, Dad, do you have anything more that you really want to see from the Packers this game, or should we move on to our players to watch? Well, I did have a couple more little things to, to okay. add in here. Maybe yep. the, this also could go down to players to watch, really. Because um, players, I, I could just toss this in instead of going into players to watch. Sure. Um, Campbell and Walker. Yeah. It, linebacker. Can they slow down Josh Allen's run game? I feel do like spy, last week. Do they spy Quay all do game? They, do they spy all game? I feel like last week might have been the best game of the year for the linebacking unit. 100% agree. And so can it continue? And so, yeah, and so I want to see see that. So that's players to watch. Watch the linebackers, see how they line up, see how they play, see if they keep eyes on the quarterback or one of them, Walker, especially. And can they, can they continue to. Um, on the trajectory that they were, uh, I think, starting last week. Linebackers versus Josh Allen. It's a, it's a right. good matchup, it's, or at mat- least especially in the running. That game. might be the best matchup to pay attention to, or one of the ones. You have some other ones that you want to. And yeah. then my players they, to. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, and then I, I, I well, why don't you? I have a couple more players, but I, I'll, I'll let me do one more, and then you can jump into yours. Sounds then good. I'll, I'll add one, though. That so, I don't have much hope for this. I was. Can we get try another? I would like to see Dobbs or Toure even try returning punts. Though based on Basaccia's comments, I don't think a change in punt returner is in the cards right now. Yeah, so Basaccia said essentially in his presser today, if you missed it, um, just to add on to this and give the context, he said essentially that Amari is pretty much going to keep returning punts. Um, he said that there's a lot of good things that he's doing back there and they don't have a lot of other options i'd like to see the other options <laughs> i mean i i think amari still has i'm not one of those people that thinks amari should be cut i think he can still offer some stuff to this team in the receiver category but not only is he bad at punt return i mean almost as many fumbles as he has catches in his career i think the struggles he's having at punt returner are giving him more like confidence issues at receiver and you're making a, a struggling receiver worse by destroying his confidence because he's a terrible punt returner you're not putting your players in the best position to succeed i guess is what i'm saying put toure back there 
put Keyshawn Nixon back there is what I would do. He's already returning kicks for you. I mean, is it that much more to ask him to return punts as well? I mean, he is yeah. one of your Those gunners. Some people say the, the catching it is a little different, a slightly different skill set in terms of how close the players are to you when you're actually catching the ball. That's true. But yeah, but it I couldn't think... be worse. No. It could not be worse. He's almost <laughs> at a fumble a game. Yes. I'm Five like... fu- yeah. It's, it's, it, it it's, could not be worse. It's scary. I mean, last week when they turned down the penalty to get a, make a punt, to, they, they they accept the penalty, make a punt again. I'm like, oh my god, we already have the ball. Yeah, <laughs> I'm good. If we have. Yeah, I was like, I was like, we're gonna fumble now. I guarantee it. And this is like, we're not even. We don't even remember the fumbles where he recovers it. There's several times this year where he has muffed it and fallen on it. Like that is not un- uncommon. And the thing is. It's not even like you're taking on all this risk for high upside. Like, he's not returning it that well. Like, I don't understand what the benefit of having him back there is. Someone joked that I know was saying he has hands. That's that's what he's... I mean, it's just... It's really bad. Um, for me... But I'm not out on the Amari train. I think he can still offer a lot to this team at a receiver position. Just no more punt returning, please. Yeah. You're killing him. Yeah, um, since we spent so much time talking about Amari, I'm going to say he's actually one of the players ahead of my list of players to watch. Yeah. You've talked about it a little bit. Um, as, and I, I wrote, I'm going against the tide, but you've already forged against the tide for me. But with all the wide receiver injuries, you know, I'm thinking he's going to get a decent number of snaps. And I want to see what he can do with them. Have you heard he, the conspiracy big brain theory about him? Have you heard this? I don't think I have. So someone, I was thinking this the other day, and I thought I was just being crazy, but then someone else tweeted it, and so I can't remember who tweeted it. Um, but so I was like, maybe maybe this isn't the craziest thought. So you know how Roger's saying, you know, people on offense who are making mistakes, they need to have their snaps cut, right? Yeah. And, and you know how he said he's returning kick, when asked about Amari Rogers a few weeks ago, he said he's, he's returning, returning kicks. Now. He's returning for us now. That's all I got. What if that was out of frustration that Amari wasn't getting more snaps. Well, I always thought that was a possibility. You know, I, I, when it happened, everybody was like, oh man, he's really throwing Ro- um, Amari, Amari under the bus. Yeah. And I'm thinking, you could easily interpret that, not that he's angry at Amari, which some people did. It's like, just, he could have been frustrated, not with Amari, but with the fact that he's only he's returning. Not, yeah. I, I thought that at the time, actually. It could be. Was, I'm just saying, it's a bit conspiratorial. Like, it's... It's a bit conspiracy, but I think it's it's possible. And I mean, he's looked pretty good. But anyway, we're getting a little bit yeah. long on time. My, but I do want to say, like oh, the rest from last week, he had that the catch for nine yards where he basically saves um, Aaron Rodgers' ball that's off target. It has to dive and roll, and, and 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 then then and that was the one that set up the third one and then fourth and one. He's he the only the receiver I've that. seen make a man miss besides Cobb this year. And he broke two tackles for a first down on, I think it was like, you know, uh, one or two yard downfield uh, target. And then he makes two men miss and gets a first down. And everybody, I've heard so many people giving him a, a ton of grief about not coming down with that reception. Someone like, said that like he, it was like it was like it hit him at the numbers. There's, he's he, diving and it only hits his fingertips. I want to see like the next gen stats on that. It's probably like a five percent chance of catching that ball, if that. Someone and, and people was are getting trying on to, this case about miss. Someone it. was trying to argue on Twitter that he didn't need to dive, and if he kept running, it was a walk-in touchdown. I don't know what you're looking at, buddy. <laughs> That's not what I saw. I that I mean. I'm not saying it's a bad throw. Like it's a very hard. Like I don't think that one is, was even one of Rogers' yeah. bad throws of that game. It's a really tough play. It's a tough play for both players. I, I just, always feel yeah. like I always feel like if if he comes down, I always think like if he had come down with that and I had been radically impressed, it's 
probably like okay that he dropped it. It's a hard catch. Like it's very difficult. Um, let's keep moving though. My player to watch is Jair because two things. He struggled a little bit last week versus Terry towards the end of the game. Uh, let up a deep touchdown to him as well as two late first downs that really iced the game out um, for the Packers. And the other bit of it is, like we said before, Stephon Diggs is a huge part of the Bills' offense. And specifically, Stephon Diggs has taken 37% of his snaps in the slot this year, which is the highest rate he's had with the Bills, his highest since 2016. And so what I want to watch for is, are they going to have Jair travel with him to the slot like they did like they had Jair do versus Garrett Wilson versus the Jets. I would be inclined to guess yes, but I just think that that's going to be something to keep an eye on given the fact that Jair struggled a little bit. How does he bounce back? And how is Jair deployed? Is he gonna, are they going to have him shadows to fun digs? I think it's just something that's going to be really interesting to watch and see. I, I thoroughly believe in Jair. I saw someone recently saying they should trade Jair and get picks back for him uh, because this team is kind of in a weird place. I am a firm believer in Jair, and I think he will bounce back. No one's going to completely shut out Stephon Diggs. No one's going to completely shut out the Bills' offense. But I think he's going to have a better game this week than he did last week. Yep. And speaking of the secondary, you know, somebody, if you don't remember who it was, saying, what if they have uh, Douglas start in two cornerback sets in base over Stokes? Yeah, and then Stokes comes in, um, in the nickel in the um, nickel, comes outside. Though, it goes outside. We'll see. Goes we'll see if he shadows. We'll see what happens. But anyway, Dad, do you want to move on to score predictions? Sure. So I'm pick. I'm, this is the first time I think this year where I haven't picked the uh, Packers, and so I'm going Bills twenty eight seventeen. Not really running the score up because of the the slower pace that the the Packers play, and I'm hoping they'll. Show a little more life on offense. Yeah, and I'm also going Bills 38-14. to 14. I just think they're the best team in the league. They're a buzzsaw, and the Packers are struggling right now. I would love to, and the Bills are coming off a bye. Uh, I would love for the Packers to win. I'm sure coming game day, I will be like, you know, they just need this and this and this to happen. It's not that crazy. They could totally do it. But when I'm not, when I don't have my rose-colored glasses on, I mean, they're just playing against a better team. The the and the better team usually wins, especially when they're at home. So I'm picking the Bills 38 to 14. We'll see what happens. But anyway, thank you guys so much for coming and joining us for this pregame. We know it's going to be a tough matchup on Sunday, and we would love to see you on the post game Sunday night. We will be putting it out, win, loss, or maybe even tie. Who knows? Sunday night football the, on NBC. The Packers will be taking on the Bills. Be sure to check that out. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at Father Son Packer. Be sure to subscribe to us, Father Son Packers Podcast on YouTube. Dad, do you have anything more you want to add? Aaron Rodgers has never lost in primetime. Was that true? Or is that or, some, or maybe it was Sunday night? That's was not, I was going to say that first not, one. Not, not made open. Up. I, think I don't know. I think I it's believe the, that. It might be. I think it's the Sunday night game. It's never lost on Sunday night. Is that? Tr- I I believe you. I've, I well. I haven't looked it up. I've heard a couple people say that, but I think it's that Sunday night, that Sunday night game. And he has the, the second best passer rating on, on, and you know, who's first, who's first, Josh Allen. Of course he is. (laughs) Anyway, thank you guys so much for coming and giving us a listen. We really appreciate it until next time. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.